Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast today discussing the biggest NFL story for the 2020 season. We'll discuss a little Josh Gordon back to Seattle, Leonard Fournette to the Tampa Bay Bucks, Mohamed Sanu cut, and some questions about Kyler Murray as he heads into year two. But first, a little note from our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight, one of the best deals we've ever given because all first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using the promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for $20, which is a no-brainer. And then you'll also get the opportunity to turn that 20 into even more money playing fantasy, fantasy football and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in America in Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. What a deal. Mm. Just get Edge for 20 bucks, and you get a chance to win. So go check it out. Monkey Knife Fight. Promo codes PFF, Sam. I love their system as well. It's like legitimately idiot proof. You know, even people like me can wander in there, just more or less click, done, gamble. It's perfect. I love it. Monkey Knife Fight, promo codes PFF. I'm back. I'm in studio. It looks great. Headshots look really nice. Well, this is our first scale. Yeah, the first real view of them, right? Because when you were when you were quarantined and on, on the Zoom call, we had the tight shots, so you didn't really see the full effect. But now you get to see the decorating we were doing. I like, I mean, the studio itself is good. And then it was like times a thousand once we threw our headshots in there. Yes. So looking good. If you guys are watching on YouTube, appreciate it. Check it out. 
Um, we're going to get into the biggest NFL story of the season. Uh, really quick, though, I want to also remind people at PFF.com, Kickoff30 is your promo code for 30% off all of your PFF subscriptions. That's Kickoff30. This is the time of year we're all drafting for our fantasy team. We're all prepping for the year. We're getting ready to make some bets, whatever it might be. That is exactly what we have for you in product form here at PFF. The best subscriptions for all of that stuff. 30% off. Use Kickoff30 for 30 percent off we are one week away i know one week we made it almost 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 don't jinx it yet and you and i are almost going to be right in mid-season form we'll be previewing week one next thursday i don't know if we'll make predictions this year we'll see we did have that nice run during the 2018 season yeah but let's get into after all that's happened this offseason we've been sitting here discussing many of the same things since february but now the season is almost upon us. What, what are you looking forward to the most? Or what is just the biggest story in the NFL for 2020? To me, the biggest story is all these teams loading up for like one, one year run at the Super Bowl ring, right? Obviously, you've got the Chiefs that have like locked down every significant component of that Super Bowl team for like the next 25 years. Andy Reid, Mahomes gets his 12-year contract they, they lock up Chris Jones. Like, they're bringing everybody back and trying to create a new dynasty or dynasty, whatever you want to go whatever with. You, I like that you went dynasty, though. That was better. Um, and then in contrast to that, you have all these teams that appear to be basically trying to sw- roll the dice for one run. You've got the Bucks with, with Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, Gronkowski comes back. You add Fournette to the mix, whatever that does. You know, you've got all these offensive weapons there. They want to, to get a ring while Brady's still playing at a high level. You've got the Saints who have done it again with Drew Brees. At some point, this cap disaster that is looming on the horizon for them is going to hit. But at least this year, they were able to take one more swing with Brees. And the way he's been declining late in the season, the past couple of years, again, I don't know how much longer he has left. The Colts are doing a similar kind of thing. They think they're like a a Phillip Rivers away from from contending. They've kind of loaded up for one year. You could even make the case for like the Titans, right? Just we were a few plays away. We were one game away. Let's roll it back, run it back, bring back Derrick Henry, bring back Ryan Tannehill, and let's let's take another swing at this. So to me, there's just all these really fascinating teams that are seemingly, you know, rolling the dice and going all in, pushing all the chips in the middle for this year. And that that's got to lead to some pretty fascinating encounters. Yeah, I mean, it- <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to lean toward too. I mean, my I was going to say, you know, it's Brady and the Bucks, it's Breeze and the Saints, but it's kind of that whole thing. It's such a quarterback-driven league, and most of the stories stem from the quarterbacks. And everybody likes to talk about quarterbacks and their legacy. So that's once we get into playoff time every year, I'm always fascinated by that, right? Like this, this few weeks of action in January is going to, you know, further sculpt this quarterback's legacy. So you mentioned Drew Brees has been dropping off the last couple of years despite having really good regular seasons he's 10 years removed from his last or his only Super Bowl right is this the last hurrah for Breeze uh, Tom Brady being in a new place in Tampa Bay with really good playmakers but being 43 years old outside of the New England umbrella where they won six titles and the re- new report was that he was going to leave after the 2017 season and wanted to be out it was in a book it's coming out hmm. And, you know, they stumbled into another Super Bowl in a year that he didn't even want to be there. I mean, it's just crazy, right? Now he's in a whole new place. Uh, Lamar Jackson 
until they win a playoff game has going is going to be dealing with this legacy thing right oh right. this thing works in the regular season but it doesn't in the playoffs and then Mahomes you know Brady has the six Super Bowls which is like you know nobody could ever get that close but if the Chiefs win another Super Bowl people are going to we're going to be sitting here a year from now if the Chiefs win another Super Bowl and be like are they ever going to lose again they're already, are they going to win nine they're already talking about chasing seven like yeah half the Chiefs this offseason have been talking about you know let's let's not talk about one or two let's go for let's go for Michael Jordan let's go for seven yeah and so th- th- this is what I think is going to be great this year you've got you have Dak Prescott and in Dallas right like he's coming off of his most productive year they're running it back with all the same people including play caller Kellen Moore so are there going to be quarterbacks like a Dak or Carson Wentz you know is one, are one of these guys going to get their first title um, Aaron Rodgers what happens to his legacy mm-hmm. here? Does he get rejuvenated by throwing the ball maybe 150 fewer times this year with, where they really take the ball out of his hands and all of a sudden you know, he's averaging nine yards per attempt with, uh, without great playmakers just because it's play-action driven? I mean, so there's, there's all these different storylines that are quarterback-driven that I think are going to be the, you know, the biggest stories here in 2020. Yeah, I mean, if you restrict it to just the quarterbacks, right, think of how many all-time NFL legacies – are kind of on the line this season, right? You've got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if Rodgers bounces back this year, becomes vintage Aaron Rodgers, gets another ring, that puts him into a different conversation in terms of all-time status. Yep. If Phil, if uh, if Tom Brady leaves New England, drags a Bucks team that haven't been anywhere near contending for years to a Super Bowl in a completely different environment with a new offense and all that kind of stuff, that... I mean, he's already in the top stratosphere and he's going further. I think he's already probably most people's greatest of all time, right? He's number one on most lists, but this would take him from like number one with a really good argument for guys like Montana, for guys like, you know, even Peyton Manning, whatever whatever your top five is, they're all closely grouped together. Like this separates him from the pack, right? That just takes him to a different level. Montana went to Kansas City took a, a Chiefs team to the playoffs but couldn't get them a ring. If Brady takes Tampa Bay for to another ring, that would completely separate him. Breeze has these insane numbers, this incredible baseline, this absurd career, but just the one ring. And, you know, two rings is the thing that everybody immediately – like that's the benchmark, right? If you get two, we no longer talk about rings. Until you get to two, it has to be a conversation. Philip Rivers had this incredible career – doesn't have any like that completely changes the narrative on his career there's so many of these quarterbacks where their entire like if they never played another down of football after this year their legacy and their the the summation of their career completely changes depending on how this year goes russell wilson always going to be looking for for number two mm-hmm. you know he's got one and a half because you know they were close they were so close in mm-hmm. 2014 they had one could have had two um that's interesting too you know we went through you know in the 80s there was marino putting up the numbers and montana winning the titles and we've seen that stuff in other sports there's like the stat getter and then there's like the guy that wins or whatever it might be but the last 10 years of the elite quarterbacks they've all won you know brady breeze manning rogers uh big ben has his wilson has his i mean the when we talk about like the best quarterbacks who don't have one you're talking about like the matt ryans of the world and Philip Rivers of the world. You're talking about that next tier. So those guys always looking for their last, um, maybe not Ryan, but Rivers looking for maybe his last opportunity in Indianapolis. So um, there's certainly more to football 
than the quarterback but I do think that is what I'm really looking forward to this season is all those different storylines and then just the other quarterback driven story is what we've said the fact that there's a legitimate 25 to 30 starters in the NFL like there there is there there's not the NFL's not lacking in starting NFL caliber players quarterbacks but that leads to a wide open league right it it, it sounds top heavy you know we think the Saints and the Bucks and the Ravens and the Chiefs we think these teams are going to be good but it also opens up a random team like the 49ers last year right like when you do have the mid-tier quarterback in the situation's right the environment is right you never know when the 2018 Rams show up the 2019 49ers show up and I think that is going to make the season exciting too the 2019 Titans like who is the team with maybe an unexpected quarterback where everything comes together the other thing is we're still in this as you know (laughs) all too well over the last couple of weeks we're still in this covid world where your entire situation can get jacked in a heartbeat yeah everything changes um the nfl has done a really good job so far once they came together with the nflpa and they all hammered out the protocols and the rules and how this is going to work and they dump preseason and all this kind of stuff they've done a really good job at essentially creating these 32 team um you know they don't want to use the word bubbles but they kind of are right you need to get scanned and stuff before you go in to the locker room all this kind of stuff they've done a really good job actually of keeping this all tight and no insane outbreaks that have decimated like entire meeting rooms and all this kind of stuff that's at some point you get the impression that like it's gonna there's there's gonna be an outbreak somewhere or excuse me or somebody uh, yeah yeah hopefully somebody significant is gonna get it right and there's the nfl doesn't have a great contingency built in in terms of you know if you got to shut a guy down or shut a meeting room down for two weeks you know isolate them and come back like there's no there's no easy buy in there to sort of kick you know to reschedule games and and rejig the the schedule right that's i would my hunch is that's going to affect this season somehow right either you're going to get crazy starters for a couple of weeks or a week because a quarterback room has has gone down or you know who knows if the outbreak is severe enough that an entire team is going to have to like forfeit a game or or try and get one rescheduled but how that pans out is going to be interesting to see because it the league has gone through weird things before right we've had strike shortened seasons we've had all kinds of stuff and you know it doesn't it doesn't change anything like the the, you know the 82 and the 87 season don't come with an asterisk next to them you just see the different win totals and it's like oh yeah that was the the strike season right it feels like this year something similar will happen right there will be covid will impact this season in some way shape or form how that happens and who benefits and who loses is going to be an interesting thing to watch i think we're going to get to from a from a gambling standpoint a little information about home field advantage we're gonna get you know the the old like it's you know it's three points yeah um and it's only a one-year sample size and last year's home field advantage was nothing uh, which was fascinating and out of nowhere um so you don't want to overrate one season but are we going to come out of this season saying hey everything you know travel isn't actually a big deal it is the crowd noise it is the stuff that was missing this year that is normally the home field advantage so um, i think that'll be interesting too it's more you know more data points more data to uh to look at there so um, let's get into some some of the big news and notes from around the nfl including leonard fournette you know it depends on which day you're talking about leonard fournette news the first piece of news was he gets released by the jacksonville jaguars and unable to be traded they could not find a trade partner for him 
and then he goes to the Tampa Bay Bucks. It is just hilarious because, you know, we have a completely different perspective here, and we're not going to bang the running backs don't matter drum that hard today, I don't think. <laughs> but it is just hilarious. Bang the when, Fournette doesn't matter drum. Yes, the Fournette doesn't <laughs> matter. Like when, when the cl- typical media member reports on Fournette to the Bucks. The next follow-up is like, look at all these Bucks weapons. Another weapon for Tom Brady. And it's like, man, if Fournette was just a guard, like nobody well, would even say anything like yeah. that. Mike Renner, former former member of this show, current member of the Two for One Drafts podcast with uh, with Austin. Mike tweeted, he had the best tweet that I've seen on it, which is the the whole Leonard Fournette thing is hilarious. He's He's basically um, Greg Robinson, Greg Robinson, that was, yeah, but with good. cumulative yeah. stats. You know, plays right. in a position that, that accumulates stats, and that's that's really what it is. Leonard Fournette has not been a good NFL player at all, <clears throat> but he plays in a position where he can rack up a bunch of statistics, right? Running, rushing yardage, um, catches, all those dump off passes, whatever it is, and you can look at a way that makes his numbers look very good. If you look at like since he came into the league, he's like top five, I think, in rushing, something like that. But it's just it's just a product of how much they've used him, which as the fourth overall pick is like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? We have the fourth overall pick. Therefore, we need to feed this guy the ball. Therefore, he ends up with a certain amount of rushing yardage and catches and all these kinds of things. But when you look at all the things that are sort of trying to isolate running back performance, yards after contact, broken tackles, all these kinds of things, he isn't good at all. Right. Um, but what, what – and. So he gets cut. They couldn't find anyone to trade him for. He then goes unclaimed on the waiver wire. Nobody wanted to pick him up for the relatively modest contract it would cost. Then he signs for Tampa Bay. And yet, despite those two previous pieces of evidence, right, nobody wanted to trade for him anything. And nobody was willing to claim him on waivers. He signs with the Bucks, And everyone's like, oh, that, that throws the Tampa Bay backfield into chaos. No Ronald Jones anymore. Fournette's going to get the carries. There's somebody who was feeding uh, Ed Werder, you know, some defensive coach was feeding him a line that, oh, Fournette's a great pass blocker, and that's why they picked him up. Really important thing in that Bucks offense for Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette's career PFF pass blocking grade is 36, I think, 35. Yikes. It's awful. Um, also, he's done it like 150 times in three years. It's like he's less than three times a game. You're asking that guy to stay in a pass block. If that's a reason you're going to make him a big part of your offense, you're out of your mind. So... I think it makes that backfield really interesting because they've now got like five guys, right? Right. And that in and of itself is interesting. Like, What is that backfield actually going to look like? But I think people were kind of going a bit out of control in terms of how much like Fournette is going to be the guy there. Yeah. I mean, the much maligned Ronald Jones. I mean, he's got two years under his belt and the first year was putrid. And last year, you know, he showed some signs. He was was better. It was bad. It's really bad. That's what that means. No, I know. Um, it was really, really bad. He had a higher grade last year than Fournette has had in two of his three years. Fournette had, Fournette's peak was 2018, a 70.9 overall grade. Last year, uh, Ronald Jones was high 60s, which, you know, Fournette last year was low 60s. I mean, it's like the only, you know, if, if Fournette, there's two things working in Fournette's favor that make people look at him favorably it's fourth overall as you said in the afc championship in 2017 and after 2017 it was like the easy narrative like look at this we're also fourth just, overall yeah. and they go to the afc championship also just it's hard to shake draft priors 
if you got a guy that was a top five pick, if you saw him rack up whatever insane yardage you racked up in that sophomore campaign at LSU, those things are hard to get out of your mind, even like no matter how much evidence comes after the fact that that probably isn't reflective of what he is. Um, It's, and it's not, this isn't a running back specific thing necessarily, but running backs may be more susceptible to that than other positions. Right. But we've talked for years. Like there are guys that make an NFL career because they were really great in college and that made them top five picks. And it's just, if you were a top five pick, people are going to keep giving you a shot to prove that you still had what they thought you had at draft time, even like Mingo. if like Mingo, but you know, I remember Javin, Davin Joseph, like it took like a decade for people to work out that he sucked. And honestly, he was never a good yeah. player. And then the funny well, thing is, he started a lot of games, right? And that's the thing. So as long as the bucks were starting him, it was like, well, he's a, he's a quality first round it's talent. Harder. And then as soon as they dumped him, nobody ever picked him up again. Cause at no point was he ever actually, justifying that draft status so the problem in tampa bay you know again the whole brady uh storyline this off off season obviously brady likes throwing to the running backs it's a new system but you're still going to want to have a running back who is a pass catching threat and they don't really have one you know it's when it comes to the threats they drafted two kashawn vaughn uh raymond calais neither guy has really played in camp or done anything in camp besides fumble so the rookies probably aren't going to be the guy Ronald Jones isn't exactly catching the ball really well, uh, nor ha- nor did he at USC. So he doesn't have a history there. LaShawn McCoy is on his last legs and can at least... But he's going to be the guy. He'll be the guy. He can at least like run the basic patterns, like here's an option route, turn left or right, right. I mean, he can do some of that stuff, but he's not as dynamic as he once was. Right. Fournette is absolutely not the guy. Um, so I think you're looking at this entire backfield and it's like, well, McCoy, if you're looking at like who's Brady's favorite going to be, it's probably going to be McCoy. And then it becomes a battle between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette to have, you know, to steal more of your traditional in between the tackles type of runs and carries and, you know, two tight end set type of work. Uh, and that's, you know, might maybe a wash between Jones and Fournette. Well, it's interesting trying to parse out what Bruce Arians is saying because he's being, it, it, the question is, is he telling the truth or not? Because he's actually being very clear with what he's saying is happening, but ever because they then go on, get Fournette it's like well is everything a lie like have we just been in the matrix the whole time is this all an illusion is this all a program running around us or is this actually what's happening so he's come out and he said look Ronald Jones is our guy like we brought Fournette in because running back is a position that's incredibly attritional in the NFL and we're going to need backups so that's what Fournette is they've already told um LaShawn McCoy that hey you're still like you're you have a role here you're the third down guy so in theory, if Bruce Arians is telling the truth, Ronald Jones is still the workhorse or at least the, the run-heavy element of the offense. LaShawn McCoy is the third down guy. Leonard Fournette is a backup. And then the question is, do they try and sneak Keyshawn Vaughn onto the practice squad? Do they carry a ton of – because the other guy is their special teams captain as well. So yeah. it's they're in a position where either they need to cut guys that they don't necessarily want to cut – or they have to carry a ton more running backs than most people do. You know who they might cut? Who? It's Leonard Fournette. I mean, this is very possible. So this is also one of those things, right? Like not everything's a story. And I always use the Tim Tebow example going to New England, right? which was simply Bill Belichick kicks the tires on former first rounders. Not Bill Belichick. Everybody in the NFL does to your point. Is it just, hey, let's bring him in. Maybe he's 250 and runs 4-3. Let's just see what he looks like at camp. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a freak athletically and just looks better than he did, even though he just got released. Maybe. 
And if he doesn't, it's like, all right, we tried. Yeah. See, we didn't, you know, we don't, we don't lose anything in this. That's certainly a possibility because, by the way, he went unclaimed mm-hmm. from a waiver standpoint. Nobody wanted to spend. I don't think I've seen million. anybody suggest that yet. And yet I think that is one of the more likely scenarios of all the possible things they could do to get down the numbers in that backfield. He might actually be just in and out. Quick break to tell you about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. With Underdog, all you need to do is the fun part, which is draft. Forget about injuries, trades, waivers, or setting lineups. Just set it and forget it. Wait for the winnings to come in because this year they have a $1 million tournament. That's right. Just draft the best team and you have a shot at $1 million in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the Best Ball Mania for a chance at the $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com. So it's underdogfantasy.com or you go to your app store and search underdog fantasy and then just enter the promo code pff after you make your first deposit don't worry about your lineup don't worry about injuries you set it you forget it you have a chance at one million dollars there's even a five dollar entry there's a hundred thousand dollars in uh other prizes i mean it's a great way to do it and it's uh it's what i'm really good at which is drafting and you know i don't always pay attention to all my fantasy leagues but that's why i think underdog and best ball is the way to go we're busy we're busy in season this is the most fun part anyway is the drafting so draft a ton of rosters and then just set them and let and let's see what see what brings back uh prizes at the end of the year and if you do have pffs tools as part as part of pff elite you probably have better odds at this one million dollars so go check it out underdogfantasy.com or search underdog fantasy in your app store Quick break to tell you about our friends over at NFL Game Pass. This is how you get all of your football this season. You catch every snap of every game with full game replays, and then you can see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, the breakout stars, everything we're going to be talking about here on the PFF NFL podcast. You can see with NFL Game Pass. Vital part of our show. Vital part of the PFF podcast. We get to go on to Game Pass, crawl through all those games in lightning quick speed. It is a hugely important tool for any NFL fan. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to nfl.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. Football never stops with NFL Game Pass. I love it because the games are on on Sunday. You can watch all of the replays. This is like This is how PFF started, Sam, was using NFL Game Pass and using the ability to see this HD video right on your computer, right on your phone, wherever you want it. Uh, There's also uh, 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. You go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques, learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive, so you will never be without content it fuels the nfl podcast right here and it can fuel your nfl watching experience as well go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial nfl game pass where football never stops all right the uh, new england patriots released muhammad sanu Um, i'm gonna go back and admit while it was certainly rich to maybe give up a second rounder for him yeah i thought they'd at least get production out of him Yes. I thought I thought last season, don't forget, let's just rehash what happened last season with New England. Within one week, or before the season, they got Josh Gordon back. We'll talk about him in a second. This is like the annual thing. Josh Gordon's reinstated here in August. Uh, they got Josh Gordon back, and then they did the whole Antonio Brown thing, mm. right? So you go into the season, and it's like, okay, look at this. Then people were expecting to pull, you know, pull Gronk out of WWE, and there were rumors that the Patriots were going to be trotting out Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, Gronk, 
Julian Edelman, boom, Super Bowl number seven. And before you know it, Josh Gordon has his issues again. Antonio Brown has his issues. Patriots have nothing. Uh, they're lacking at wide receiver. Julian Edelman, and they have the worst tight ends in the NFL. Julian Edelman is the only threat. So week seven or whatever it was, they trade for Muhammad Sanu for a second round pick. Now, even at the time, people were like, listen, Muhammad Sanu is not worth a, a second. This is we're leading up to one of the best wide receiver drafts maybe of all time. You're going to have a stud available in the second round at a position that's always a need uh, seemingly in New England. So the long-term play here is probably not great. But at the same time, Brady had a history of success. You, they needed a compliment. I thought that he, you would get wide receiver two type of production out of Sanu. That was not the case last year. He was banged up. He wasn't very good. All of that. And now, after looking slow in camp, having off-season surgery, Sanu has been released. This is one of the worst moves, if not the worst move, of Belichick's general manager tenure. Particularly when you consider what second-round picks have been doing for other teams in the recent past. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, Patriots essentially set fire to a second-round pick for a quick rental of a guy that couldn't get open. Um the Vikings have parlayed a second-round pick into Yannick Ngakwe, who you know may not be an elite pass rusher, but is a good young pass rusher with upside. The uh, Arizona Cardinals traded a second-round pick on a contract they didn't want anyway for one of the best receivers in the NFL. Like, if you'd hung around for a little bit longer instead of Mohamed Sanu, maybe you could have gotten New Hopkins. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's Well, even, even last year, Emmanuel Sanders was, what, a third rounder yeah. to the 49ers? So, and, and, and Sanders would be perfect in that offense. He, he would have been transformative. In two moves that Patriots fans could look at and say, okay, here, here are two things that happened in the last 24 months or 18 months or whatever. Um, they drafted Nikhil Harry over, say, A.J. Brown, mm -hmm. and they traded for Mohamed Sanu rather than Emmanuel Sanders, assuming they could have yeah. gotten him for the same, right? I mean, the, if if New England's offense last year had A.J. Brown and Emmanuel Sanders, wow. maybe Brady's still back there because he's like, hey, I got these two dudes coming back, right? Like, we're going to be okay. So, I mean, those – it's just a couple moves in a vacuum, but that's that's kind of what happens. You know, if you if you miss, it's like, all right, you go from – potential greatness to one of the worst receiving courts. It's also, it's another good example of like fading the off-season hype stuff, right? Because all off-season it was like, well, Mohamed Sanu was injured last season. He's been working like a trooper all the way through this off-season. Look at these videos of him running hills and catching passes and all this kind of stuff. You're going to see the guy that they traded the second round pick for this year. And then it's actually, no, he's getting cut before the cut, cut down days. You were just get rid of him. No, bye. Uh, yeah, on a team that needs receivers. Yes, like, a team that desperately needs the guy they traded or they thought they were trading for has said clearly he isn't that guy and we're cutting bait now rather than stringing it out any further so that leaves you know we talked a little bit this offseason about the pressure on Nikhil Harry um you know a guy that uh, has a Demarius Thomas type of skill set but I mean even to just have that I mean Demarius Thomas had some really good seasons so yeah. just even get to that point we've got a ways to go but is he going to be the true number two now behind Julian Edelman um, so the way it shakes out, you've got Nikhil Harry as your big-bodied possession type, maybe. Demir Bird as your stretch-the-field speed type. Jacoby Myers, to be honest, on the field, probably outperformed Mohamed Sanu last year anyway as an undrafted free agent. He was intriguing uh, as a rookie. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski has been looking good as, you know, the the next, like, undersized uh, interior receiver. So um, it's not exciting on paper or anything, but again, it's not like... It's not like Sanu was beaten out by this, you know, 
great cast of characters here. Well, this feels like a combination of all the strategies that didn't work for Cam Newton in Carolina in terms of a receiving core, right? You've got like the big body guy that doesn't really separate in Nikhil Harry. You've got the underneath slot guy that he doesn't really find that well yeah. in, in Julian Edelman. Like this is just a group of receivers that Cam Newton doesn't play particularly well with. So that would be one of the things that I would be factoring into my Cam Newton projections, which is whatever he is health-wise and whatever this offense is going to look like, this receiving group is has very close analogs to guys that were not successful with Cam Newton or that he was not successful throwing to overall in Carolina. I, I This is not a good-looking receiving group, again, for the Patriots heading into the season. Including the tight end p- position, right? They, even, they yeah. invested two third-rounders, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, and they just join, you know, Ryan Izzo and other guys that don't aren't very exciting or athletic. So um, I, I think it's going to be quite a challenge to go back to what's the biggest story in the NFL. I mean, I think you have to look at New England no matter what they – I cannot wait to just watch this thing unfold. Yeah. This is Bill Belichick uh, without Tom Brady uh, in, in a whole new world with, you know, on paper – what probably the worst roster they've had in 10 years last year's team on paper was the worst that they had had in at least 10 years that's a fascinating storyline just in and of itself right this belichick and brady together for the better part of 20 years suddenly separated and now each one is in direct competition with the other one in terms of proving that they were the guy that they were the bigger part of the success they enjoyed together even though obviously it's a symbiotic thing one guy didn't make the other any more than vice versa right but if you're looking at them on their own, Brady is set up in, to be in a way better situation of proving that he was the guy, albeit, you know, like it wouldn't, but narrative wise, right? right Brady right. is the guy that looks like he's got a way better shot of proving that he was the reason for the success than Belichick has. This we year. will avoid that narrative. We will not make a one year quick judgment on that because yeah, we'll see. We'll I think see. we'll. I think their their greatness probably speaks for its, for itself, but uh, we won't overreact to stuff like that. I'll make pro- no promises, Steve. Unless we'll Brady's great and New England is terrible, then it's like, whoa. <laughs> it's all the quarterback. Bill. That's what I'm saying. It's all the QB. Never know. Because Brady's 43. I mean, what's he, what are you going to do? Mm. If he's not good, it's like, all right, poor dude's 43. What can you expect at 43? Um, let's go to Josh Gordon coming back to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he did play with Seattle late last season. To be honest, I did expect a little bit more out of him. He caught seven passes for 139 yards uh, with Seattle. And it did look like, hey, with DK Metcalf and David Moore out there and Tyler Lockett, man, you add Josh Gordon to that mix. I mean, that's like, that's the strategy we keep talking about all, all, all offseason. Collect three or four dudes that the defense just can't cover. Um, and even adding... Uh, another former Patriot and Philip Dorsett, I think, is a nice move uh, because you have your sub four four speed guy. And if anybody's going to take advantage of that in the NFL, it's Russell Wilson. Uh, Paul Richardson's back yeah. in the mix. Saw that. Uh, all of a sudden, the the Seahawks go from like they're not a great receiving core, but one and two is really strong with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in their specific skill sets. But if just one of these guys, including Josh Gordon, including Philip Dorsett or pa- Paul Richardson or David Moore, if one of those guys emerges and has and is really consistent, that is a much more dangerous group to go with tier one quarterback, Russell Wilson. I think Gordon is a good fit schematically for what they're doing in terms of this idea of, look, they 
everyone wants him to let Russ cook, but ultimately their plan is essentially to run the ball hard and heavy and then let Russ hit over the top, right? Make all, take all the advantage of the few passing attempts they give him to hit deep shots constantly. Yeah. He, he very rarely targets the underneath stuff, but he's one of the most efficient and best and highly productive deep throwers in the NFL. So you get DK Metcalf, whose biggest strength is straight line speed over the top. You've got Tyler Lockett, who's a really good deep threat for a guy that's tiny. Um, Josh Gordon's biggest strength are those sort of speed, straight line, running, all that kind of stuff. So it fits. But like at some point, just the sheer length of time Josh Gordon is not playing football is a problem. Right? Yeah. Like he just, I mean, when was the last time he was like a massive functional part of an offense? It's going back a fair amount 2013. of 2013. Yeah. That's quite a way away. It was really point. 2013. Now, now, to understand recent history, too, in 2018, um, he showed flashes early with Cleveland. New England picked him up, and he made some huge plays for the Patriots. Yeah. Um, and then right before week 15 or so, he was gone. And, and he was gone for their stretch run. Um, they win the Super Bowl that year with, like, Cordero Patterson and Julian Edelman as the two wide receivers. And it was really Patterson and Philip Dorsett as the two outside receivers. So, um that's the risk factor there too is like the practice reps right are you going to give practice reps to a guy who has not finished a season i don't think since 13 or 14 i don't know the last time he actually finished right um you know a season so uh on paper it's like all right let's take another shot you pair him with russell wilson he's your number three at best with with a guy like david moore who's averaged 17 per catch in his career with the philip dorsett like man there's some explosiveness here but just how many reps are you going to give Josh Gordon when well, you don't know it, if he's going to be around? It feels kind of like the Leonard Fournette thing, right? It's insurance. Like he's yeah. At this point in his career, Josh Gordon is now really good DK Metcalf insurance. Oh, absolutely. That, that's a good way to put it. It's not that Josh Gordon is now this like dynamic extra piece of the offense that, wow, and that's look the, at what all these things can do together. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> DK Metcalf is the guy. If he goes down to hurt, maybe, we'll, maybe Josh Gordon steps into that role and tries to uh, fulfill that or pick up that slack. But he's... That's what he is at this point in his career. He's insurance. He's it, not. The, he's not the 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 initial plan. And that's the skill set. It's it's go routes, you know, down the field stuff, as you said. But he runs a, a Josh Gordon runs a really good slant. You know, he's yeah. a, and so to me, that is where I would use him. If we're gonna use this, let's Russ let Russ cook phrase. You need to let him cook, as I mentioned on a couple shows ago, the in the quick game. So you, if you're going to give him more passing opportunities, it's not just chucking it down the field. You're going to put the ball in his hand on first and 10, and you got to throw the short stuff. I think that's where Josh Gordon is really good. He uses, he's physical, he uses his body really well. He runs the in cuts uh, extremely well, slants, digs, things like that, that, um, you know, could be a part of the, the early down offense if you're trying to put the ball in Wilson's hands just a little bit more. Um, I see you added a note here about Alvin Kamara. You want to talk about him for a minute? Yeah, that's the thing I forgot when I was sketching out the, the notes that I, I had for this show. Um, since we, since our last podcast, we've had, like a whole little drama about uh alvin kamara it's like oh by the way guys he's been out of practice for three days and it's contract related then it's well you know the saints might be trading him if they can't get a long-term deal done and then it's okay they've had a talk he's going to come back we're going to try and get a long-term deal worked out so it just sort of raises this whole thing of you know alvin kamara is one of the more fascinating running backs contract situations that you're going to get um because He's he's like the 2020 NFL running back, right? Fournette is a running back for like 1991. But Alvin Kamara is the guy for 2020. He's 
a way more pass-focused running back than he is a, a run-heavy guy. People talk about him not being a, a workhorse or a bell cow, but in terms of like snaps, like he had way more snaps than Derrick Henry, despite being injured. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's snap-wise, he's right there in terms of workload. It's just that they don't give him 300 carries a season. He's not a workhorse in terms of uh, like ground carry attempts, but he's a workhorse in terms of how much he's on the field and the impact that makes. And then you get this, you know, this conversation of his agent was putting out these things sort of saying, well, because he's so incredible in the past game and all this kind of stuff, like he's, they think they have a unicorn, right? And that just like, this is the, the sort of line I've been using is that, Everybody thinks they have the unicorn. It's it's all the data that says what you should do with running backs. Everybody's like, yeah, but this guy's different, right? This guy's special. We have the unicorn. And it just, if that's your argument, if that's your starting point, I think your process is immediately broken. Now, eventually somebody's going to be right. And it's like, okay, you did have the unicorn. That was worth breaking the rules for. But it, like far fewer people should be starting from that standpoint. But Kamara is is close, right? He has two of the three highest seasons we've ever seen at PFF in terms of wins above average, right? The essentially value element for running back. He is an incredibly valuable piece to this offense. Um, he's incredibly good at, with the ball in his hands after the catch. He's good in the pass game. He's good at the valuable elements, but he's still a running back. And you have to question how much of that is produced by this offense. Like we've seen guys like Pierre Thomas in the past, look phenomenal in this offense right guys who were screen guys who were again primarily receiving backs and i mean i thought pierre thomas was a really good back but on reflection how much of that was this offense scheming him into space and making him look better than he would in most systems so i i think where you where the disconnect is difficult is if you just go back and look at Kamara's stats and if you look at 2017 his rookie year and he had 86 catches, including the playoffs. 86 catches, that's a lot, at 10.4 yards per reception. So, like, as a running back, averaging over 10 yards per reception, just using simple stats, 34 missed tackles after the catch, in uh, almost 900 yards. In an offense that has Michael Thomas, had other threats, right? And you've got Drew Brees distributing the ball. So, on one hand, you're like, well, for Drew Brees, a quarterback who spreads it around is going to throw the ball accurately underneath, is going to get the ball in Kamara's hands when he has mismatches and all that stuff. On one hand, you say you need that guy because that's what helps make this offense tick. On the other hand, to your point, do they just make that guy? As awesome as Kamara is, and, and the one thing he has done is broken tackles. He did it at Tennessee in a limited role. Right, He was sharing carries with Jalen Hurd back in the day. It was both of them with Josh Dobbs in the backfield, which is really tough to, to defend. He was sharing carries back then. He started sharing carries with Mark Ingram and then, you know, evolved and started to take more, uh, you know, more of the workload to your point. And they got Latavius Murray down there, back there. So I don't think it's completely interchangeable. Like if you, if you gave Mark Ingram Kamara's role or if you gave Latavius Murray Kamara's role, like I don't think you're getting the same production there. But at the same time, I don't know that he's so indispensable that this offense isn't going to run. 
Yeah. So if he's not out there and you don't have a direct replacement, okay, you'd probably get a few more targets for Jared Cook well, that, so or that, Emmanuel Sanders or for Michael Thomas. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, those guys are, I think, different stylistic backs. So I don't think that's necessarily the question. The question for me is more, <clears throat> but what if instead of giving Alvin Kamara that role and that money, what if you give a Tariq Cohen that role or a James White or, you know, a, a back that has that style of play but is going to cost significantly less? Like how much... How much is what Kamara is doing right now a product of him being the right style of player and a good player, but how much of it is that New Orleans system essentially letting that style of player flourish more than most offenses do? Because that's, yeah. that's the question, right? The, 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 the question you're asking yourself when you're determining if you want to throw Christian McCaffrey money at him is how replaceable is he and how close can we get to that production with significantly less capital outlay? The, the other thing, though to consider is the general shelf life of running backs. Part of the reason why we have this take on running backs is look at Kamara and his, uh, just his grades in the last few years, 90 as a rookie, 84 in 2018. Last year, he drops to 68.9. So he's, uh, he's, he's been battling injuries just a little bit. His performance hasn't been as good. And then all that said, like I cited his rookie year stuff, right? 10 yards per catch that dropped to 8.8. In 2018, last year, he caught six yards per reception. So I'm just using simple numbers to just tell a simple story. A guy that three years in the league has had declining production. But he was injured last year. He was injured, right? But that's part of this, yeah. that's part of this equation, yeah. right? You, can't, well, you can say, well, he was injured, chalk right. it up to that. But you, but you also say, well, that's part of the running back thing. This is why we don't invest because that happens more often. Um, so the thing that I love about this, though, and if I'm the Saints – I, I'm I'm more willing to pay him is that comfort level of I, I, I here's how Eric Eager said it the other day on Twitter right it was like if you if you make a really good meal the leftovers are gonna taste good right if you don't have a good meal though the leftovers are gonna taste as bad as the original meal the good running back the good receiving running back is always you know it's it's the leftovers of of a good meal and that's when it all works well now the catalyst for that is also the elite quarterback right like you mentioned james white because you have a brady he's got other guys to throw to and then oh by the way when james white is needs to take over a game brady and him can get on the same page and do it it takes a quarterback to be there too obviously breeze has that so kamara is the guy when they take michael thomas away when they take jared cook away when they take emmanuel sanders away oh by the way Breeze might feed Kamara for 10 receptions and not just checkdowns like you're going to be part of the game plan. There is value in, you know, one, two, three, four games a year. That's how you have to win. There's value in that. And you might be leaving this, you know, holistic offense on the table if you let Kamara walk because there's not a direct replacement for him right now. One of the problems I think that he has, his camp in terms of negotiating is their starting point is essentially Christian McCaffrey, right? And while Christian McCaffrey might not be the unicorn in terms of being so insanely valuable, you can't possibly live without him. He is like the definition of workhorse in today's NFL. Like he has more snaps than any running back over the last three years. He has more touches. Like he, he gets the ball and is on the field more than anybody else. Right now you can definitely make the argument that Kamara is more of a workhorse than people are claiming he is because of the snaps but he's like a thousand behind Christian McCaffrey in three years. Like that's an, a huge amount, but here's a great data point though. Leonard Fournette or Alvin Kamara, which guy is the workhorse over the last three years? Well, people would probably expect it to be Fournette. Right. 
And yet Alvin Kamara has seven more snaps on the field than Leonard Fournette over the last three years. Wow. Kamara is fourth in, in all running backs in terms of snaps that's been on snaps on the field over the last three years. Like he, in terms of participation and how much he's on the field and therefore causing problems for defenses, three guys have been ahead of him. Yeah, and and here's the thing, right? And, and again, it takes it takes having a great quarterback to see all this stuff too. So you're you're it's always aided by having Drew Brees there. But the like when you play football, you go into the huddle, you split out into a formation, and the best quarterbacks, you know, either get tells from the formation or um, they they understand the mismatches from the formation or whatever it might be. The way Kamara is used with his skill set that nobody else on the Saints has right now because he he does run receiver-type routes really well. Like, he'll run a stutter go every now and again for Breeze, right? Um, when you see the slow linebacker on him, first off, if he's walked out, okay, we know it's man. If it's a corner on him, hey, we know it's zone. There, there are things like that where his skill set allows for those things to happen. And it's not this in a vacuum well we're going to feed him 15 targets a game it's just again in those games where the mismatches are in his favor that's a style that's a way that the saints can win and to me that's a balanced offense so i think if he's not there for the saints this year they lose a little bit of balance on offense and the balance again being my my definition being able to throw short and immediate deep and running the ball when opportunity is there i don't see anybody offering this to them but if somebody if you were gm of the saints steve yes um if somebody offered you a first-round pick for Kamara now, would you take it? The Saints are the only team where I might not consider it. The Saints are the only team because they they are in this this short bubble yeah. deal. Like yes, in a vacuum, the, that's what I that's what I've said for a while, right? Like if I ever did make the mistake of drafting a running back in the first round, if after two years he had Christian McCaffrey numbers or Kamara numbers or whatever, the smart move would be to then flip him for for a first-round pick, and it's like, hey, you got this high-end production out of a guy which is maybe a little bit better than your replaceable back and i still was able to get that first round pick back so yeah normally i would i would do that i would make that move yeah i i kind of agree i think i generally i think you would take you trade him away for the first round pick but there's no way this team isn't getting blown up whenever this rolling the dice kicking the can down the road thing ends at which point like, it doesn't matter like you you're not the the first round pick isn't doing you any good like this thing is going to hell for a while after it eventually gets blown up so let's let's keep the pieces that are important that we know are a sure thing I, I think they're both kind of in the right spot in terms of if you're Kamara absolutely your starting point should be McCaffrey's contract and if you're the Saints absolutely you should be trying to pull back as far from that as possible not just because you should always be trying to get them for as, as cheap as possible but because I think you can fairly make the argument that look you're really valuable and you're really good but you're on the field for a thousand less snaps than McCaffrey over three years you don't deserve that level of money. And McCaffrey has done it more on the ground. And, and sure. there, there's still that perception that like, well, if you're getting the handoff, that's different than going and running a route. So it, it does feel like McCaffrey's more of a workhorse because of the way he's used. Let's wrap it up with Kyler Murray, mm -hmm. um, a guy that we liked a lot coming out of college. Let's just rehash all this. Um, we liked him coming out of college. He only had one year in college, but he was awesome at Oklahoma. To be fair... We've graded every Oklahoma quarterback extremely well now. We've got three years of Baker Mayfield. We have a year of Kyler Murray. And we have a year of Jalen Hurts. And they've all graded extremely well. Uh, but Murray was right there with Baker, you know, a tick above what Hurts had. After Murray's first year at Arizona, the offense was much better. But 
there's a key number. There's a PFF number that says, don't believe in him for next year. And that's his clean pocket passing grade. Dead last last year among all starting quarterbacks. Out of 38 qualifiers, dead last, 68.3. Clean pocket grade. The thing that is um, as stable as any other number that we have from year to year. Are you concerned about Kyler Murray? A little. Um, I think it's more than one number as well. I think there's a few things that you look at. There I, are others I, too. I was doing a, you know, a quarterback rankings, and Murray ended up landing 19th, um, one spot behind Baker Mayfield, one spot ahead of Cam Newton for what that's worth. But 19, and it was like when I was doing it, I kept sort of it felt harsh. I was like, God, I, you know, I kind of every. It feels like everybody is so bought in to Kyler Murray, like what we st- the good of what we saw from him in year one in Arizona, the, the difference that he made to that offense was so spectacular. It's like, wow, that, that guy's the next great quarterback. And that may all be true, but it feels like at this point we're overlooking a lot of negative and a lot of bad things and things that won't necessarily just disappear between year one and two to make that projection, right? It's like, look, these incredible things he does well are great, and he does a lot of them, and they're really hard to do, so he's going to be great. Like, okay, but some of the stuff he's he's not doing well are the things that are easier to do and should be done more regularly. And you wouldn't expect a guy that has that upside to be bad at them. So as you mentioned, his number from a clean pocket was not good. The other number that jumps out is that idea of we charged him for 23 sacks, right? which is by far the most we've ever seen from a quarterback over a season. Like an insane number. The quarterback alone being specifically charged as at fault for 23 sacks in a season is is nuts and then the other point or the other number that uh bruce gradkowski um former nfl quarterback pff superstar right now the number that he pulled out was kyler's grade um when in rhythm you know and that was i think it was in it was low again it was in the 60s it was way down the bottom echelon of quarterbacks and these are things that you would not expect a quarterback that looks this good at times to be doing right it's in theory, if you can make crazy things happen outside of structure and you can make all these amazing plays, when you're just dropping back from a clean pocket in rhythm, it should be easy, right? It should be like playing in your sleep. And yet that's where Murray struggles the most. And I'm sure at some point, like he's going to have a different profile of playing the game because of his height than a guy like Tom Brady, right? He's whatever he is, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and can see perfectly in the pocket. He's going to have a different play profile than that guy because of the height stuff right it's not but the question is should it be this bad at the stuff that that should be routine we were having a discussion the other day about something non-football related and you made a point you were like if you're trying to make if you're trying to see something improve and you make three changes to it it's tough to go back and look and say was it one of those three changes was it the combination of all three like what made something go from good to great from bad to good from good to bad whatever it might be that's where i have trouble now looking at kyler and the arizona offense the 2018 offense was so bad right i mean it was one of the worst that we've seen in nfl history it was one of the worst offensive line performances we've seen in nfl history it reminds me a little bit of like when peyton manning the one year that he didn't play and everybody that people joked like the colts are so bad you have to give peyton manning the mvp Hmm. because he didn't play and look how bad they are and it's like, were they bad because Peyton was great? Yes, Peyton's great. But also because his backups were Curtis Painter and Dan Orlovsky. Is that why? Right? Where if, if his backup was Teddy Bridgewater, 
you'd be like, oh, look at this 8-8 eight eight Colts team. They're not bad, right? Or it was, you know, the whole roster was depleted. There were other factors at play besides this one thing. So the Arizona offense from 2018 to last season took such great strides. They protected the offensive line more with the new scheme. They had a whole new scheme. They, they ran more four wide than anyone else. Cliff Kingsbury's coming in. You have rookie Kyler Murray. You had a lot of different things in there. So I think, I think the optimism for Kyler is, well, look what he did to the 2018 Cardinals. And there's, there's merit there. There's something to that. But I also think when you're coming from such a baseline of bad, then maybe it's overrated just a little bit. I made the same point with the Texans and Laramie Tunsil, right? You go from the very worst left tackle to Laramie Tunsil. Tunsil looks like, right. you know, Orlando Pace. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think I'm kind of with everybody else in terms of I expect him to be good, to be really good maybe. I, we, I think we're just reaching a point where let's maybe just tap the brakes a little bit. Let's not get completely out of control because there's some really kind of concerning parts to his game that I think everybody's glossing over. I mean, ultimately, the PFF grade for all of those rookies was in the same ballpark, right? For mm-hmm. different reasons. Like, they all had, like, different flaws that kept them pulled down, and they all had different strengths that, you know, were that limited how high they went. But ultimately, they all kind of graded in the same area, which I think sort of tells a story, right? And we're, you know, there, there are big areas concern uh, areas of concern for Daniel Jones. There's huge areas of concern in terms of what Gar- Gardner Minshew's ceiling is because of his physical tools. You know, Dwayne Haskins being virtually written off by most people because of his rookie performance. And yet, Kyla Murray, it's like, this guy's a superstar. He's already there. Like, well, not yet. I mean, yeah. was, he was he didn't really separate himself that much on a very broad strokes overall level from these other guys. Now you can definitely point to things that he did significantly better and be therefore more encouraged. But again, you, in order for that to happen, you do need to like change the dynamic and shift and eradicate all of the negatives that we see that he hasn't really shown a sign of doing yet. Let's wrap it up with this because you could use the same argument that I used and just in call and call it a positive for Kyler. You could say that Arizona was so bad in 2018. The fact that they were reasonable on offense last year, Kyler gets, the credit, but however, you know, there were other factors at play. Here, here the numbers uh, from a PFF standpoint that we would look at to project a guy going forward, clean pocket grade, uh, you know, non-rollout plays, no play action, passes at or beyond the sticks, uh, negatively graded plays. He was below average in all of those. So all of the more stable metrics from year to year, he was below average. He was a rookie, yes, but there was actually there's actually not a number from his first year other than maybe like deep passing uh, performance, I think was solid. There's not a number that you feel that encouraged about. All that said, having DeAndre Hopkins, I think is going to, yeah. we're going to learn a lot of a lot about him. Just having the wide receiver one and the trickle down to having uh, those other guys that were ones, like Larry Fitzgerald as a one and yeah. Christian Kirk as a one, those guys being two and three and four. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about Kyler early on. So that'll do it, man. Let's mm-hmm. wrap it up uh, next week. It's NFL season time. Yeah. So we'll have... Uh, do you want to do predictions on Monday? Okay. We'll do bold predictions sure. or, you know, sit on a fence predictions, whatever. We've got to make our bets. Lunch bets. All right. We'll do our Brandon Graham lunch bets. And, you know, <laughs> I'll pick the Raiders to win six games again for the fourth straight year. Uh, you know, I'll pick Patriots. I'm not going to pick Patriots Packers for the 11th straight year yeah. of uh, Super well, Bowl Let's predictions. each come in with, like, three things we're willing to gamble lunch on. All right. We can do that. Um, so we'll have... Some somewhat bold predictions. Maybe this is the year Corey Davis gets his thousand receptions. Mm, that could be my definitely. bold Hall of Famer. In the my making. bold predictions always work out extremely well. So 
Um, before we get to Monday, though, I want you to go to pff.com and use the promo code KICKOFF30. Get your 30% off your PFF product so that we can have this conversation so that you guys can give us your bold predictions, which you guys should do. Hit us up on Twitter with your bold predictions, with your 30% off. Where you, can, you, know, you do your research. Yes. Get your 30% off. You do your research with PFF Elite and come at us with your bold predictions for this season. Um, and then next Thursday, we'll be back to preview in week one. Yeah, first first preview of the season. We almost made that, it. That we didn't ever, that, that there was a, a brief period where we didn't know we, it would even happen. No, we had no idea what was going to happen. But here we are, a week away. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.